Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. What a weekend of college tennis we had in Champaign. The 2021 Division I Men's National Indoors coming to the cl- to a close, and it's the University of North Carolina emerging as the national champions. They knock off Baylor 4-1 in our championship match, the culmination of a fantastic weekend of tennis. Of course, so many upsets along the way, so many developments that are sure to impact how we view the rest of this 2021 season joining me to recap the final day's action, share our updated top 10 singles rankings, top five doubles rankings, and of course, top 10 team rankings now in Division One men's college tennis are the two other members of our Cracked Rackets Holy Trinity. That's right. We've got all three assembled. That's why we had delayed a couple days. We apologize for that, but we could not do another podcast without this man. You know him as a former four-star recruit on tennis. TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer for CrackedRackets.com, the other half of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak, a man who must have been in oh so much pain as that national indoors came to a close. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot to you. We missed you this weekend. We are sorry we were recording too late, but of course, we all want to know, how are you feeling after the national indoors? Oh, I'm feeling great, man. I, I would have recorded with, with you guys, but God, I mean, it was like one in the morning or something, man. <laughs> I, I had to get some sleep. Uh, those matches were running late, man. That That's the thing, you know, as I was watching over the weekend, I'm like, good God, all of these are at least running like 45 minutes to an hour late. I know they only have six courts there in Champaign. Typically, we'd be at a site that has like 12 courts where you can play two duels at the same time. But yeah, I mean, it was a lot of tennis, super fun, um, and we got some great matches, which is exactly what we wanted, so it was a super fun weekend. 9 a.m. to about midnight every night. You're absolutely yep. right. We had 12 hours at least of on-court tennis, and again, no ad points, third set comebacks, 3-0 deficits overcome. We literally saw it all this weekend. Of course, join, the man who joined me on those mini-break recaps, the only man crazy enough to stay up until 2 a.m. to talk about college tennis, is also joining us on the podcast tonight. You know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the snitch, the professor. He quotes Henry Ford, the one shouldered designer, and of course, the man I confuse my cation for. It's Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot, my friend. National championship in the books. We both predicted UNC would take home the title, and I have to say, shout out to you, my friend. Hey, great shot. Kind of nailed the match calculus as well. You're a beast. Thank you for staying up with me. I hope you have recovered. How are you feeling? 
Oh, feeling great. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was fun. I, the first night I was ready to go. The second night, you kind of caught me dozing off at, you know, like <laughs> one o'clock in the morning for the recap. Had to call me twice. And I was like, oh, you know, I know you were like, yeah, I thought I might've got you sleep. And I said, yeah, you did. But you know, <laughs> oh, I, I was up listening to you and Mike uh, all day, every day. If I, if I couldn't watch, I at least had some, had the audio on. It was great stuff. Fun to listen to. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm what a great weekend. And now we just get to keep going. Yeah, I have to say, again, I did catch you snoozing, and my favorite text I got of the weekend is when I texted on Sunday night, and I was like, do you guys want to recap tonight or wait until later the week? And you were like, wait until later. Like, it was an <laughs> instantaneous response. I was like, all right, we've killed Chris. Like, that's totally cool. We can wait until later in the weekend. On that note, I do just have to say a huge shout-out. I'll start with the man who sat beside me all weekend long, who put up with all of my nonsense, who, again, taught me more about broadcasting in three days than I could have hoped to learn for in 10 years of doing this Mike Cation who was phenomenal and to have him calling a college tennis match what that does for college tennis you know the professionalism the class it puts college tennis in league with it means numbers to it to college tennis fans across the world and of course you know getting to work with him meant numbers to me uh you know he kicked me around a little bit in all of the right ways and so since I didn't have you two there to do it uh certainly I was happy to have him there to do it as well so shout out to him a huge shout out to Brad Dancer, Kathy Hug, and everyone at Illinois. They treated me far better than I ever deserved to be treated. I mean, they fed me, they kept me warm, they worried about me, they housed me, all of the different things. They were just incredible, so shout out to them. And by the way, shout out to Oklahoma State as well, if I haven't said it already. Chris Young, the program they run there, just top class also. And of course, shout out to everyone at the ITA, Tim Russell, Bruce Rashuk, uh, Dave Mullins, I'm forgetting Corey Brooks, I- I'm forgetting all of the other wonderful people as well, you know, the Carolina Abharts of the world, and of course, Jacob Dye, and you know again all of them everyone everyone at the ita you guys make gonna leave cody out oh and of course cody well i i the thing is i don't like to shout out cody because i know he actually listens and i don't want to get his ego too big but (laughs) no he knows i love him as much if not more than anyone else so yes of course shout out to cody shout out to everyone westoff in fact can we give them a round of applause sound effect because you know, none of us knew if this ITA indoors was going to happen for the men or the women. It did happen. I think we can all agree a pretty rousing success. I got to ask you guys, I'll start with you, Maddie. You were at home watching. What do you think of the broadcast? Do you like the six courts wide? Oh, yeah. No, it was it was fantastic. I mean, and, and without being thing, self-indulgent, I, I apologize. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. Like what I would do is I'd pull up the play site, right? And I could have six courts rolling at the same time. And then I'd pull up your commentary. So I'd be listening to you guys as I'm watching all six of these matches. It actually worked out great. So um, yeah, no, it was just fantastic all around. I mean, I do feel like by the end of that weekend, I was slightly burned out. Um, But now I feel good again. So uh, yeah, no, fantastic setup. Great commentary by you guys, Mike, um, Gruskin, yourself. It was it was fun. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I have to say, and again, it's self-indulgent, but Chris, we've talked about this. I just feel like when you do the six-court broadcast, that's how you watch a real college tennis match, when, a real college tennis match. That's how you watch a college tennis match in person, I should say, as you are gazing court to court and jumping around a little bit. And so, again, it's a huge shout-out to Illinois Brad Dancer, Kathy Hug, for putting the technology in place for us to do it. All I can say is uh, that's the way I would go. Like, if you're a college tennis and you uh, program and you can do it, all fans would be appreciative, I think, Chris. And, of course, I'm being self-indulgent, but I it, it was very cool. Shout out to Illinois. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I wa- as I watched it, you know, because we got to be part of it the first weekend when we did the red zone coverage, right? And then I got to sit and watch it. So, uh, you know, I watch it. I'm going, man, this is awesome. And then you start thinking of the things that you would love to see in addition. Like, A, I'd love wait, wait, to Don't give this- them all away. Don't give them all away. Give some. Give some. Just saying. So okay. Know. I'd love to have the scoring not be ahead of the broadcast. Okay, we can do right. that. Like, like you, that. they already do that with like PlaySight hooking up to the scoring because they initially had that problem when PlaySight came out that the actual scoring would be ahead of their camera. And so if you had the scoring up, you'd be like, oh, damn it. I, I already saw that, you know, I already know what's going to happen on this point. So, so that would be kind of cool if they could delay the live scoring just enough so that if you had it up, but then there would be no, the other, my other point would be there would be no need to keep the scoring up if you had an option on the screen where you were watching the play site feed to have all six courts, the scores. center scoreboard. Yeah. Yep. Completely. And if you had that, then you wouldn't even have the live scoring up. So it wouldn't matter. Yeah. And just a sneak peek for all of you listeners, we're going to bring bringing back red zone throughout the rest of the college tennis season. We're not going to be able to do it this weekend. Unfortunately, as we have some other CR stuff going on, but we are going to be bringing it back the week after that. And we're already in contact with so many programs. If you're a coach listening to this, who has emailed me and I haven't responded yet, I apologize. Have been busy. You will get responses this week. If you have not reached out, you're a new listener, you haven't heard about the Red Zone, you want to hear more, please do feel free to contact us. I'm at Great Shot Pod on Twitter. If you're more comfortable reaching out to Chris, because I don't know why you ever would be, but we'll just throw him out there as well at College Tennis Ranks. He's the man as well. And uh, yeah, I, I guess because he has the t- Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. We can leave that there. I just, I like the smile on Chris's face. Yeah, he's laughing right now. That, again, um, but no. A shout-out to everyone involved. I have to give one shout-out. I always forget his last name. The head official, Anthony... Montero. Anthony Montero. So a quick story. Last anecdote, and then we'll talk tennis. I do apologize. So it was... I want to say it was either Friday afternoon or Saturday, like, first, second match. And whatever. There had been... I don't know. For whatever reason, Anthony had assembled the referees. And he was talking to them, we can say sternly. He was giving, you know, he was recapping things uh, in the break room, and that's where the water was, where I'd go grab a water in between matches just so I have hydration, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I walked in at a horrible moment, like, and it was very clear right away. And so, you know, I walk in, and there's just dead silence. And then, so, so of course, me being me, I go, yeah, you guys get him. I was like, and, and don't forget, like, if it's not a fist fight, like, I don't like it. I was like, come on. Like, what? I was like, what are you doing? I was like, court six, we had them. Like, they were so close to throwing punch. And I just, you know, I did my stupid stuff. And that, thank God they all started laughing. Um, and so, you know, it was a fun moment. And then I would do it every morning where I'd go and I'd go, all right, guys, call them fair. Remember, no spin, no win, no win. Like, if you're not calling them close, you're not trying. Use your three. Um, all the funny, you know anecdotes you say along with it and of course we're joking around but they were all tolerant of my nonsense so shout out to all of them who of course so many high pressure situations they are the oil that you know greases the gears of these college tennis matches so shout out again to everyone who helped make this possible now enough shout outs let's talk tennis some people may have just been like 11 minutes that's how far i had to fast forward to get to the tennis we apologize for that maddie don't make that face at me nevertheless it is time to recap the final day of the National Indoors, talk a little bit about the, our takeaways from these teams. I think the place, of course, we have to start is our national championship match. 
where the UNC Tar Heels made up for last season, came out hot in the doubles, and ended up taking home a 4-1 victory over Baylor along with it, the National Indoor Championship. Now, of course, I was on the call. I talked a lot this weekend, so anyone who listens to this podcast probably was listening to that. Uh, They may know my thoughts. I just want to quickly add this, and then I'm going to cede the floor primarily to Matt and Chris because I'm fascinated to hear what they have to think. But this match... Was the result of this match was decided in the first 15 minutes of it because in the first 15 minutes of doubles, UNC came out and with all due respect, and I have you know talked about this with some of the people on the Baylor team, they just punched Baylor in the face. They went up breaks on two and three, and those breaks were never relented throughout the course of the doubles point. And with all due respect to the Baylor Bears, who certainly gave them all they had in the singles and then came out swinging uh, throughout the course of the singles action, uh, even when they got pushed against the wall, that was the difference, is what, what USC did to UNC last year in the doubles final, UNC learned from it, and talking to Brian Cernock and talking to Will Blumberg and Trip Phillips and Sam Paul, they all emphasized the fact that, look, we were tight as a drum when we came out last year, and we're not going to let that happen this year. We are going to make it a point to come out and play our tennis. They did that. Baylor responded But in doubles, it just goes that quickly, and we said it's going to be so hard to find four singles victories in this match. The fact that UNC only needed three made all of the difference. That's my preliminary take. I apologize because clearly I've learned nothing from Mike this past three days. I just had to get that off my chest. Maddie, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, that that's a great take, Gruskin. I completely agree. I mean, when you're talking like these two teams, the margins are so slim, right? That the doubles point, and I, I called this, remember on our preview pod, I said, I'm picking North Carolina to win this title because I think they're going to get that doubles point and I could see them splitting the singles. Um, we don't know how those, how those last couple matches would have finished. Soto was up big against Rinky on court two. I would have liked to have thought that he would have finished that off. Spencer and, and Simon on court six, tight three all in the third. Who knows what would have happened there. But again, you're talking the best two teams in the country, and it's going to come down to that doubles. And look, credit to UNC's coaches, credit to their players. They came out, they were well prepared, um, and they really wanted that doubles point. They knew the importance of that, and I just think their experience from having gone through that last year, right, Gruskin, like you mentioned, all of their players had been through that before. Baylor's have not. Um, So I just, I think that was a good experience really for both teams. Um, You know, if Baylor, if they end up playing again later in the season, I think they will have learned from this, Uh, but huge emphasis on that doubles. And that very well could have been the entire match right there. No, I, I would echo everything you had to say. I promised I would see the floor to Chris. So Chris, please, your thoughts. Well, I mean, I think we ended up clearly with what you know in hindsight obviously the the best two teams there in the title and and it played out pretty much as you mentioned in the you know in the intro like we thought it was going to we, north carolina uh takes the doubles point and then has advantages you know wh- where they have them and 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 that proved to be the no the, i mean the one that surprised me honestly was seguin i mean the way he looked the day before I th- it was huge for them. And I kept thinking the entire time, even as he was getting close to closing out the first set, all I could think was, yeah, it doesn't matter. His, you know, his knee's going to, you know, he's going to start like limping or, you know, not getting to balls. And this match is going to turn. Sven Law is going to turn this around and, and take that match. So they better, you know, figure out how to get 
three other singles matches, but but he closed it out. And I think for them, that was huge. Because like Maddie said, you know, Soto was closing in on a win on that court. The other two matches, who knows? Baylor could have easily won that had Ben not been able to close that match out. I have to give credit to volunteer assistant coach Ronnie Schneider, who, of course, needs to be acknowledged. I consider a friend at this point. You know, if I see him, we're going to say hello. We're going to chat for a little bit. I think at that point... Yeah, we're we're going to move past the acquaintance stage, Ronnie, if you hear this. You can text me and let me know if you consider me a friend or not. We'll put it on the borderline. A strong acquaintance. Nevertheless, you know who he was communicating extraordinarily well with? The team of Seguin and Hijikata, who were down 5-0 to Tennessee in their first match this weekend in less than 10 minutes. And, of course, this was Rinky's first dual match of the season. He and Seguin as great as they were last season. they got to find their rhythm. Well, they were down huge uh, to Tennessee, and I don't remember if that finished or not. I I think they might have even lost that match, but then Carolina won at 1-2, and two, and then, you know, they lose to the all-freshman duo of Virginia as well in the semifinals. And then in this one, and I'm telling you, after every point, Ronnie's talking to both of them, and I just think that's because Rinky and Ben wanted to keep things simple. They wanted to focus point by point. After every point, turn to the coach, reset, let's focus on the next one. And with all due respect, and this is where I want you to come in, Maddie, because it sounds better coming from you than me. I love Nikki very, very much. Great kid. Great guy. Not a kid. Young man. Great young man, Matt. You raised him well. Um, he and Spencer blinked. They blinked at three doubles, and it's a bad matchup for them indoors because they like to make a lot of balls, and you know outside they're going to throw up probably 15% more lobs, and they're very good at dipping returns at the feet and making a ton of balls, but to beat Ben and Rinky, you have to do what Tennessee did. You have to do what Virginia did to an extent, which is put pressure on them. You have to serve and volley. You have to be the aggressor. Nick and Spencer are counterpunchers, and I just think indoors it was a bad matchup for them. Yeah, I mean, you can say that. I, I don't really know if it's just a bad matchup as much as they, Or a bad they just, day. Bad yeah, day. They, they, they weren't there. Look, here's the thing. Nick holds easy game one, right? They go up yeah. 1-0. They're up love 30 on Rinky serve. I mean, they were so close to pulling out that break right there. That match could have changed on a dime, right? In dubs, let's say they go up 2-0. They do break Rinky. Then what happens, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know. But all I'm saying is I talked to Nick, talked to Spencer. Like, there were a couple communication issues. Remember, guys... They haven't played all year, right? They just got thrown in here before this tournament. No practice time. Obviously, they played together in the past, so that helps. I just think over the course of, as we kind of go throughout this year, and I do expect to see Nick and Spencer stay together, uh, you know, the way that they played overall over the weekend, I was pleased with. They're only going to get better once they kind of get that timing, that rhythm, that communication. Um, So, yeah, it got away from them quick. You know, credit to those guys. They were ready. They came out. Rinky was hitting lob, like – chip lob returns off of Nick's serve. I don't think Nick and Spencer were ready for that. Um, interesting strategy there. So, you know, they they earned that match and they clearly played much better than they had those first couple of days. And I think they knew they had to. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Nick and Spencer clinched it against Texas. They were down match point. They win the next day as well against Illinois. And then, you know, again, it's a credit to Rinky and Ben, who played their best match here in the championship. It's also a credit to Mack and Simon, who did not play well against Virginia. Simon, in particular, had a really bad doubles point, and then he bounced back, got a win in singles over Gianni Ross, and today, he and Mack had it. They got the one break they needed over uh, Soto and Broom at the beginning, and they held on, and 
you know, again, Sven and Connie had it on the day. So did Will and Brian. That match was going to a tiebreaker. I was willing to bet anything on it. But then you get to singles. And I have to just say, had Baylor won this match, your most outstanding player of the tournament is the guy I have been telling you since the offseason. If you have him in the bottom half of the lineup, that is a lock. Charlie Broom was a lock for the Baylor Bears this weekend. I believe he went 3-0 and on the weekend in singles. He will be my all-tournament team selection for that spot. Again, I think if they win, it probably means he and Soto won in doubles, and therefore he'd have been, what, 6-0 and overall, and you're probably your most outstanding player. You know, he won that first set over Peck in about 30 minutes, and you're like, okay, that's set number one. Here we go. And the big credit to uh, UNC is they got the first set from Seguin. They got the first set from uh, from Sondergaard quickly. Will versus Adrian, that match was fantastic. We can talk about it a little bit. He gets the first set. And then Brian wins the tiebreaker over Nick. And once they got four, even though it was pretty clear Spencer and Matthias were going to send their matches to third, it's just now you're so pushed back against the wall. And look, Baylor fought back, right? Has If Boytown wins that tiebreaker at one, we're still out there playing. But Chris, uh, it's just, we talked about it in our day two recap. UNC came alive after they won that doubles point against Virginia, and they brought that same energy from start to finish in this match. Yeah, I mean, they were they were on it from the get-go. There's no doubt. And it was, but, you know, it was just a couple points here or there. You know, it, it is, those margins are so thin, but it just seemed like, yeah, a lot of those breaks went their way. But to echo your sentiment on Charlie Broom, well, first of all, there's no way he was ever going to lose to Josh Peck. That that just wasn't going to happen. Okay. I mean, Peck, Peck would have had to have, I mean, that he needs it indoors and he would have had to be serving lights out, which he's capable of, but he would have had to do it from the start and do it, you know, two or three sets there, you know, two of three anyway, and just hit the, hit the cover off the ball serving and find a break somewhere. But that's just a terrible matchup for Josh Peck. Once the rally gets going, Charlie's going to rally him out rally him all day right so yeah he was great but but outside of that every match was you know could have gone either way on Mm -hmm. every single court the one that shocked me the most was Seguin over Law in straight sets and it was right in front of our broadcast booth and it's just there was no really rhythm in the match for either guy at any point and that was kind of where Ben thrived is his weapons were a little bit bigger his serve was a little bit bigger and even though he couldn't move his best he got Sven stretched to the outer thirds and again this is day three of competition Sven La the day before or maybe it was two days prior had played I think a three-set match against Broswell was it I you know again it's a lot of tennis for all of these guys and that's not an excuse but it's just to say Seguin had the bigger weapons in the moment you're absolutely right, though. I mean, quietly Sondergaard getting that first set at six, that was kind of weird. And you knew Spencer was going to come back, but that just extra momentum boost for the Tar Heels, it makes all the difference. And I have to give all of the credit in the world to Baylor because their energy level all weekend long, this was a business trip for the Bears. It was so clear how focused they were. And it was funny because Illinois had beaten SC and you're thinking, okay, what are they going to do against Baylor? And Baylor was like, no, 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 no. We're here to make this the finals. Like watch us flex our muscles. And that's what they did. And then in this final, they literally blinked for 10 minutes, but then they just came back out swinging. And Boytan, 
I know, you know, Coach Woodson loves Adrian Boyton, but you watch him play in first person. I was like, does he string his racket at 25 pounds? Like, because the ball just explodes off of it. And he got registered for a, 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 on the radar at 132. And I was like, that might be a little high. But then he did it again. And I was like, oh, man, like, maybe it's not. He hits the ball as big as anyone, but Will came to play. This was Will's best match of the weekend. He stepped up like he needed to. Cernok stepped up like he needed to. Maddie, you're shaking your head. I want to give you and Chris the final words. No, that, that's just it, man. Look, UNC proved why they are the best team in the country. All three of us had them on our, our college contenders, number one, right? Like, this isn't a shot. This is what we expected from this team. You know, I think Baylor proved, hey, we're right behind them. They're at number two. Uh, they have some work to do, but... In talking with the guys, they weren't even that disappointed. I mean, obviously, they, they wanted the win, right? They wanted to win a natty. But at the end of the day, they knew that they played pretty well. It kind of came down to that dubs. Um, and they're not going to hang their heads. I mean, there's a long season left to go here. Um, and who knows? Maybe get a rematch later on. I mean, it'll be far away from now. The only chance they could play, I think, would probably end up being for the actual Natty um, in May. But we'll see. A lot of things got to happen between now and then. But yeah, congrats to UNC, man. They were they were balling in that championship match more than they had the previous two days by far. And more than they had the previous year by far as well. Yeah. And to your point, talking to everyone on that Baylor team, they were just so happy to get a look at Carolina before May. They're like, okay, now we know what the bar is, and that's what we have to reach. And what's crazy is this team did get better throughout the weekend, but Carolina's best indoors. I want to clarify, just to be clear, indoors, Carolina is the best team in college tennis. Um, and they flexed their muscles, and they proved why. But, Chris, your final takeaways from the championship match. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think the only guy that really comes out of there really bummed is Svenlov. I mean, that's the guy that I think had to be go. He knew going in, Seguin wasn't, you know, wasn't in the best of sorts. And you, I kept watching it, and you could see even during the match, there were balls that Seguin just wouldn't go after, right? It just like, you know, that's too far. I My leg's not up to it. I'm not going. And you think, and right there you go, ah, Sven's going to start to take over. And he just, it wasn't his day, right? You would, every point where you went, oh, he's going to move him around and take over, he hit the ball into the tape. Or what, you know, he just didn't have it. And a lot of that, you know, could be, you know, A, you're playing three matches in three days. B, it's really hard to play a wounded opponent, right? Because you start thinking to yourself, ah, all I got to do is move him. But we're talking about a really high level of tennis, and it's not quite so easy. But, uh, but yeah, that's the one I think that, uh, you know, from their standpoint, if if they could have back that, that you know, really could have turned that match. But everything else pretty much, you know, a grind for, for Nick on four and the rest of the matches kind of like we thought they were going to go. Yeah, no, it was, as you guys have both uh, stated, the best two teams uh, indoors made it to the final, and it was a match worthy of such. Don't let the 4-1 scoreline fool you. Obviously, it uh, looked like Soto was about to make that 4-2. Sondergaard, Furman, that's a toss-up. This was an exceptional match, and hopefully we do get to see it again at some point this season. But it's not our only great match of the final day. And what's so funny about these two championship matches I got to cover, championship Sundays for both the men's and the women's, and with this only eight-team format, is that that third day, it does seem like you kind of get the most level matchups. Obviously, both of all of these teams, similar records at that point, and it's one versus two, three versus four, five, six, seven, eight. 
It has led to some spectacular tennis, certainly as much uh, on Sunday. And let's go to our shocking result, the Triple Crown match, as we like to call it. Two teams 0-2, one team emerges with an 0-3 record, and just shockingly, after you know everything goes right for them at the 2020 National Indoors, after they take the doubles point, get you know uh, victories from Bradley Fry, get a victory from Stefan Dostinich, and take a 3-1 overall lead, the Trojans go 0-3 on the weekend, Knocked off by TCU 4-3, the clinching match coming from Alistair Gray, who comes back from 5-2 down to take a 7-5 victory. I believe it was 5-2 down. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I believe 5-2 down to take that 7-5 victory. Clinch for the Horned Frogs. Maddie. I haven't heard any of your thoughts on USC this weekend. If you want to talk about them first, if you want to talk about TCU first, but just... I I didn't even know it. I mean, it it was the start to our day, and I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those days. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're USC, you are extremely disappointed to come out of here 0-3, right? I mean, you're the number one seed, but I think we all kind of knew, right? None of us had the Trojans winning this event, or even really in the final. I think Chris had them in the final um, against North Carolina. He didn't pick Baylor, but Gruskin, you and I both picked Baylor. Um, So, I mean, we all kind of knew, like, eh. I mean, there were some question marks. They had played Kentucky a couple days before the event started and they didn't look great obviously we didn't see more bullis who is a major part of this team that's a key cog in there that was missing and they just didn't look right guys i mean all weekend singles doubles they were just eh. like it just the effort was eh. i mean nothing was outstanding it was just i don't know it was just kind of a blah weekend that those guys are going to want to forget about obviously when they're healthy i think they're going to be a lot better there were some bright spots. I mean, a guy like Westrate, you know, had a really good weekend, even though he did drop that match when he bumped up again in the lineup to number four against TCU. Again, I don't think he's ever playing four with a healthy team. He's going to play five or six. So um, you can pick out some bright spots. But, yeah, overall, man, I mean, they, they have to be disappointed, and they're, they're going to drop in the rankings for sure. The question is, is more Bullis this valuable to this Trojan team? Oh, yeah. They didn't have him at oh, yeah. the number four Absolutely. spot. It meant Fry, Jackson, Westrate had to all step up, Ryder Jackson as well. And unfortunately, they just didn't have good answers at the bottom of their lineup throughout the course of the weekend. Now, credit to Bradley Fry. That second set tiebreaker he played against Paralek was simply phenomenal. It was phenomenal, and it ended on a parallel double fault, and the nicest thing I saw, or perhaps the most gamesman thing, and I talked to Fry afterwards, and he echoed it again. He looked at him and goes, dude, I am so sorry. Like, if I could, I really would give you a third serve because we deserve a better ending than that. Of course, at that point, he's sneakily saying, oh, we might win this match, boys. Um, But, you know, it just... 
it, it was such a great match. It was really high quality. And it's clear the talent is there. Ryder Jackson Fry. I thought Ludwig Westrate the day before, right, was so good for USC. And, you know, uh, I thought he was good against Illinois as well. Uh, wait, I, I might be remembering. Yes. No, he got the win at five, right? He yeah, played he played five Hunter Hack. Yeah, yeah, he beat Hunter Hack. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. the one who got the win. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that, Maddie. That's why it's good to have you back. Um, and it's like, it's clear the talent is there. And in this match, you know, Famba against Gray, and sorry I'm boxing you out here, Chris. I think, at, or Famba versus Smith, there were maybe one trading of a break of serve, and it was a 7-6, 7-6 match, and, like, Riley Smith was, he just lost some close battles this weekend, whether it was to Alex Brown, you know, not being able to get over the finish line, whether it was, you know, in their second match as well when uh, they lost to Texas. I believe he ended up losing to Spaziri in a third set also, and just... You know, I thought he actually played really well. He came really close. And him and Kukerman, they probably want uh, the set back that they played, uh, I believe, uh, in that first match. You know, that's the one they probably want back more than anything else. But they, they steadied the ship. They got two wins over their next two matches. And I think this win, and this is where I want to switch gears and talk to you, Chris, you were right about Alistair Gray. I was wrong. I underrated him. He is the real freaking deal. Oh, my God, was he excellent in this match. First of all, how f-ing insane <laughs> was that 5-4 deuce oh. match point for Kukerman? The lob. I couldn't I mean, believe it. I couldn't believe it. And from you had a obviously actually I think our vantage point was better because you could actually see everything in our vantage point on video. We couldn't even see Alistair Gray. You see Kukerman come to the net. You see Kukerman hit the volley that you assume is just into the corner and the match is over. And all of a sudden, from nowhere, the ball starts coming back up over Kukerman's head. He gives it one step and turns around and just drops his head like, oh, my God. That was just crazy. No, it was incredible. And I have to say for... Uh, Alistair Gray, he just his ability to step up and hit that backhand, and the way he just drives himself to win, and really takes pride in being the leader for this TCU squad, and just, I mean, I thought for a second Cookerman was going to reach the volley. I'm like, oh, he can get that and put it away, but it went over his head, and you know, Gray just kept coming up with these fantastic shots. Famba was so good at two. Sander Jong's outstanding at three. Stefan Dostinich just is the real deal. He had three really fun matches against Monsi against. Uh, who do you play in their second match? Who do USC play in their second Braswell. match? Yeah, against Braswell. Yeah, against Monsi, against Braswell, and then against Sander Jong here. He, he was as good as I thought he was. He just, you know, wasn't on the winning end of a couple of those, but he did beat Jong here. But yeah, it's... Matty, I, I mean, again, your thoughts, TCU, USC, wherever you want to go, your final thoughts on this match. Yeah, no, I don't have too much else. I mean, USC just has to move on, right? They've got to get their full lineup in there. More bullets is crucial. I'm telling you guys, you think it's like one piece of the puzzle and, eh, you know, maybe they can win without it. No, 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 not Not a guy of his caliber. Like, he's a very, very important piece of their team, and he is significantly going to help them when he gets back in there. Count on that for sure. I think USC is going to be okay, but they are vulnerable, right? I mean, they they can be beaten, um, you know, and so that's everybody else is looking at that going, okay, they're not invincible or anything like that. For TCU, again, this this is a really good team. They went into Baylor and they beat them at Waco, right? I mean, you know, it's not easy to do that. They showed up, and again, indoors, you know, most TCU teams are typically better outside, right? But this TCU team, Alistair Gray, you mentioned it, Luke Famba, 
Jirasek. Like, they have guys that are going to be better indoor players. Play big. Than yeah. They play big. So I'm really not surprised by this result from TCU's perspective. They're a really good team, and I, I expect them to be a contender all year long. They were banged up at the bottom of the lineup, yet for them to get this win, it just keeps that confidence alive. It's like, look, we beat Baylor at Baylor. We are really good at our in our top four. And we know we have depth five, six, seven, eight. We just got to find the right configurations. I agree with you. I think for USC, this was the weekend from hell, obviously. Uh, and, I, you know, if you're Coach Macy, you're like, see, now you guys do have to listen to me. You do have to buy back in because we're not as good as we thought we were. And we didn't have Bullis, but these other teams can play. Everyone can play. And, Chris, I will give you the final word, but I have to just quickly go back to Maddie. What did you think of that Illinois victory night number one? Uh, shocked, right? I mean, nobody nobody saw that coming whatsoever. But I mean, the energy, man. I mean, look, we hadn't seen Illinois, right? Well, you actually saw them play Wisconsin, I believe, a few days yeah. before. I didn't see any of that match, so I didn't know what to expect. But I mean, the way that they played in doubles and then just carried that through the singles, you would have thought that 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 uh, facility was jam packed with fans. You would have thought that, right? And it was empty. There was nobody there. Credit to those guys for bringing that energy and sustaining it all the way through the entire dual match. I thought they played phenomenal. But you kind of knew, right, with a matchup against Baylor the next day, like, that's such a quick turnaround. Is there going to be a bit of a letdown? Can they sustain that again, you know, through the course of a match? They just, they weren't quite as good the next day. But, I mean, this win will obviously help them for the entire year. And the Big Ten. Kenyatta and oh so big for the Big Ten. Kenyatta and Monsi can play at one and Monsi's just freaking good. He's got some good hands, man. I'll tell you what. He's small, but he obviously is fast. In dubs, that's not as big of a deal. I just I like his hands, man. He knows where to be position wise in doubles. He doesn't miss volleys very often. He's just he's got great hands. And when you're playing with a guy who's six eight lefty that's just ripping serves in there, I mean that always helps. But yeah, yeah. no, he's he's a really good doubles player. It's a great combo. I agree. And yeah, I, I told you guys. That's all I'm going to say. I told you guys. Um, but no, Chris, your final thoughts on this weekend for USC TCU as well. Yeah, my, my final thoughts on USC are it's a little I was obviously higher on them than you guys. And it, to this point, I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, because this is a concerning weekend, even without Bullis everybody will tell you the margins are really small in college tennis, right? So you pull a guy that you were already, USC was only going to play him at four. So when you pull your four and those second two, you know, the second two days, they, they win doubles on day two. They win doubles on day three. They drop four singles matches on both of those days. That's not because you pulled your four guy and everybody slid up, right? That's, you know, Kukerman and Smith both losing on the final day and Smith losing on the second day and then still losing at three, who was already going to be your three anyway. I mean, there are, there are legitimate concerns there now. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with Maddie Westray looked great as a five or six. He got up to four against Jirasek. Not so good. Uh, maybe not the guy to put up against the big hitters, but he's going to be outstanding down low. Once Bullis is back, that's fine. He is a five or six but it's going to be a rotating spot trying to figure out who that other guy is. Uh, and, and I don't know who it is for TCU. Yeah. I mean, certainly you didn't, we didn't, I don't think we expected to see them come out one and two. We also didn't expect to see them in the finals. So we thought, yeah, the two and one is kind of what they're shooting for. Um, 
but they they competed they competed well uh and and i'm no doubts about them they just need to get healthy right they they were banged up too they played the second day they played their like eight or nine guy at six right so so they'll they'll just need some time to get healthy too yeah, no, I mean, again, I think their loss on day two has more to do with Tennessee than it does to do with TCU, and we'll get there momentarily. But if the championship match is storyline number one, if whatever happened to USC this weekend is storyline number two, then storyline number 2B is this Illinois team, who I have no idea where to place in my top 10 rankings because, fellas, when you look at their sample size of matches, they're 3-1 and one on the season Two of their wins have come over USC and then over Virginia as well. This team does it again against Virginia in the final. You look at what they're able to do there uh, in their 4-3 come-from-behind victory. Of course, this team uh, is able you know, to come back after dropping a decisive doubles point, 6-1 and 6-2 at the 1-3 positions. They don't have Kovacevic in either singles or doubles. Virginia able, is able to win first sets at the 1-3. One, two, and five positions. And yet, Illinois going to Illinois. They get the second set from Alex Brown. They get the second set from Sifo Monsi. Hunter Heck closes out a straight set win at four. Banchilla beats Gianni Ross, six and one at six. And then at that point, you're just like, oh my God, this is happening. Yeah, Rodesh ends up winning. Yeah, Soderlund ends up winning. But if you watch the match, Sifo Monsi, Zeke Clark, they had all the momentum in the third. Illinois again, 4-3 over Virginia. Maddie, take it away. Yeah, a little bit more experience on those courts, right? You know, yeah. uh, Monsi against Montez and then Zeke Clark over Von der Schulenberg. You know, after the doubles, guys, I was thinking this is going to go quick. I think I even texted Chris and was like, hey, man, let's get ready for the final because this thing hopefully is over within like 45 minutes, you know, after that doubles point. And good God, I mean, without Kova, I mean, I just thought there was no way this Virginia team had looked far too good um, to, to lose that match. And still, when I look at it, I mean... You know, I look at a guy like Ryan Getz, right? I mentioned for Illinois, Monty and Clark, a little bit more experience there, but Ryan Getz has the experience over Hunter Heck. Like, that's a match that he just, he has to win. And if he just wins that match, then UVA still comes out on, on top here. The Rodesh match, yeah, you know, that was normal. I'm, I'm okay with that. Again, and, and Gianni Ross, look, guys, it's hard for me to just wrap my head around it because... I just remember Gianni as such a good junior player. I mean, borderline professional. Like, this is a guy that I, I didn't even really think, you know, there's a chance he doesn't even come to college. Like, he might just go straight pro. And he just hasn't been able to improve his game. In fact, like, he's kind of gone down a few notches over the over the years. Um, for him to drop a match like this against Banchilla, you know, Banchilla's a guy that isn't going to be playing typically within Illinois' lineup. Ah. It's just, it's it's definitely tough for Virginia. And they had had a good weekend up to that point. I mean, they get that first day win over TCU. They play UNC pretty well. I'm okay with that. And then this was just almost like, eh, third day. We're getting ready to leave. It's Illinois. There's no Kova. We win the dubs point easy. And then Illinois competed their asses off. They really did. So, um, you know, huge credit to Illinois, and we'll see where we have them in the rankings. But it's got to count for something. Wins over USC and Virginia, man. I mean, that's it's a big deal. I agree with you, Chris. 
Yeah, I don't even know what to make of the last match, right? Is it, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was crazy. This we is the one that screws the rankings. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, every it's 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 the circular like A yeah. B B B C C B D A like oh now we're screwed, but <laughs> but everything I mean, you know it's the it's the thing that I kept thinking we'd see from Virginia at some point of hey freshmen don't just win nonstop right they you know they they're freshmen they turn around and they lose at some point but at the same point in time, Illinois doesn't turn around and win without Kova. Now this is the first match that. I've ever seen Vanchilla play. And unlike you two fools, I'm not saying a single bad word about Vanchilla. <laughs> Please, all the hate mail directed to Gruskin and Maddie. <laughs> he was outstanding. Uh, and I'm with I'm with Maddie. Like, you know, it's a match that you looked on paper and went, Gianni Ross has got to win this match. Uh, and and Vanchilla was great. Uh, and that was a huge shot in the arm uh, for them to get that win in straight sets. Uh but yeah, the way they competed, I honestly, what I saw this weekend from, from really the two guys for me were Monsi and Zeke Clark. Those yeah. two guys, I mean, Monsi was all but dead from like five, two in the third. And all of a sudden he's getting, you know, his back's cramping up on him and he's getting the trainer coming out and he looks like he can hardly move. It goes to five all. And you're thinking this guy's done. Uh, and he, he finds a way. Uh, to get it done. And then Zeke Clark did what he did all weekend. Right. And he managed to, to win that match for him. Those two guys uh, were, were phenomenal. And it's just more of, to me, just more of the, of that attitude of, Hey, we're, we're doing everything we can to put last year behind us. We remember last year and we're not having that happen again. And these guys are fighting even without Koba there. Yeah. No, I mean, look to your point, Sifo Monsi, I just love the contrast because, again, we're saying they won this match without Kovacevic. They did it without him. They dropped doubles. They have to move everyone up. They have to play Banchilla in singles, and it didn't matter. And look, the contrast. Kovacevic plays about as pure ball-striking game as possible. Ditto with Sifo Monsi. It's so aesthetically beautiful. And, they're, you know, Monsi's hands at the net are incredible. Kovacevic, that overwhelming power. And then, of course, you've got Alex Brown in there who will go from maybe mute for 10 minutes to just when he shows emotion, it fires everyone up. And like the forehand, aesthetically, it's not going to win him any awards anytime soon. But between that, the way he drives his back in, he hit a serve like 135 this weekend. It definitely wasn't that hard, but he hit one like 110 out wide. That was just incredible. He's a lefty. He serves in volleys, puts pressure on you. He made Carl Soderlund uncomfortable, and Soderlund ultimately won that match, and Soderlund was phenomenal. You know, the Cavaliers, when they're playing 90% of their matches, they can chalk up a win for Soderlund at one. And, you know, for me... I think two years from now, Von der Schulenberg wins that match, but Zeke Clark just put so much pressure on him and wore him down, and when it came down to Zeke, you knew the match was over. And so, yeah, this Illinois team, they're so good up top. You know, they're top four of Kovacevic, Brown, Monsi, Clark. They can hang. Heck's going to get better. Kenyatta, Ben Chill are going to get better. They have options and doubles. So I want to see them play outdoors, but they're the real deal. They got the mulligan that they were looking for, Maddie. Yeah, they did. I mean, this it's obviously a team that nobody can sleep on at this point. I mean, for the rest of the year. Now, the thing is, right, guys, they, they play what? A Big Ten schedule only. Yeah. So, you know, I guess if you're Ohio State and Michigan, you have to watch out. Everybody else, they, you know, I figured they were probably going to beat anyway, um, even after last year, most teams in the Big Ten. So, 
I just think when they do match up with those teams like Ohio State, Michigan, they could be absolute battles. And I'm looking forward to watching those matches. Yeah, no, it, again, it's going to be really fun. And just, I feel like we're going to get back to Virginia when we uh, cover, uh, you know, when we get to our top 10 rankings, because where they place is such a linchpin for so many other things in the rankings. So we're going to do the full Virginia deep dive in a little bit because I want to talk about our last match. And if we do it twice, this countdown, you know, this podcast is going to go four hours. I do want to quickly say, I think his name's Vincent Wolf. I think that was his name on Twitter. I apologize, and I think the first name's Vincent. You can look it up while I'm going here, Chris. But he suggested I should do play-by-play commentary for Carolina this season because I must be in Carolina's pocket, something along those lines. Um, And, you know, look, when you do a broadcast, first of all, you know I thrive on those comments as a listener. If you've got sass like that for me, send it. You know, send the tweet, send the DM. I love that stuff. That is what—that means we're engaged. That means we're doing our job. That's what we want is for everyone to feel passionate about the product we're producing. But my man, Virginia and me? Like, me biased against Virginia? I know. I like Will a lot. But, like, come on. Come on. Come on. That's just the wrong argument. That's just the wrong one to go with. Like, there's so many other things that you could choose from. That is not the choice. (laughs) Yeah, and shout out to you, Chris, who I – you know, I'm not rooting you on because sometimes you'll be like, I'll be like, too much, too much. I want this guy to stay listening. But I was like, yeah, get, I was like, Chris always has my back. I was like, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if someone's going to come with a crazier take than you attacking you with with a crazier take, I'm going to have to fire back. But yeah, that, it was Vincent Thomas, by the way. Yeah, but, Thomas, uh, I apologize. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, that was an absolutely insane take. And I think he was, uh, you know, again, it's probably more clearly a Virginia fan and just, you know, a little bitter probably from the loss. And he, he came back afterwards and like, yeah, okay. You know, I think it's one of those, you kind of hear what you want to hear in the, in hindsight of losing the match. All you can think of is everything Gruskin said that was really good about (laughs) Carolina. Right. You know, had had they won the match, he probably never would have said a word. So I, yeah, I think that's just, uh, you know, that, that was a kind of a side effect there, but to, you know, to round out, we'll get to Virginia later. Uh, but on that Ohio state and Illinois, as we were talking, that match is this weekend guys. And they only play, I'm, I'm not the big 10 guy. Sunday, are, 1 PM. Me, so I don't know how the hell the, the halves break down in the big 10, but Illinois, I think the big Ten's doing a deal where you play in your half of the division two each and the other side, one each. And they're in opposite sides evidently as, both uh ohio state and michigan because they only play ohio state michigan once each and and the ohio state match is at illinois this weekend and i'm just going to give a little sneak peek a tease for our listeners 75 percent chance i'm on the broadcast for that match 75 percent chance i'll leave it at that there's more details to come later but we can just leave that there for now so yes very excited for that match and again Luca Cornetelli is my number four ice contact, my in case of emergency. And I think Ty Kwiatkowski's six, and then J.C. Aragoni's 34th, because if the 33 other people don't pick up, I'm dying anyways. Might as well call J.C. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, we're just poking fun, Vincent. Thank you for following. This is how we show affection here at Cracked Rackets. Soderlund, Montez, Von der Schulenberg, Rodash, Ross, Getz. They've still got Kiefer on the bench as well. You know, Matthew Lord hasn't played yet either. 
we'll talk about Virginia where they're at in the rankings because obviously the win over TCU, they had North Carolina certainly in a competitive match. If they beat them in the ACC turn, uh, schedule, it shouldn't shock anyone. This team is really, 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 really good. Um, but with that in mind, last dual match to go. And, you know, had Texas ended up coming back and beating Tennessee, I was texting with you guys. We could have never picked against Texas again because they would have just been the best comeback back-to-back days, you know, for them to do what they did against USC. And then here uh, in this match against Tennessee, you look at what they, you know, they end up losing 4-2. But in this match, I believe they go down 3-love. They drop the doubles points. Uh, yeah, they drop the doubles points. Walton, Harper, Monday, Prada. Tennessee's really, really good at doubles. They take that, and then for Tennessee, they get the win at 6 to go up 2-love. They get the win at 2 to go up 3-love. But, of course, here come the Longhorns, as they always do. They win second sets at the number 3 singles position, 4 singles position, 5 singles position, and 1 singles position. And for a hot sec, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, are they going to do it again? And, of course, Broswell did end up getting over the finish line to win 6-2. But Waldeeb was up 3-1 at 3. And, you know, uh, you look at... I, I think some of the other positions that uh, who who went unfinished. I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, at or number one. one is the only one. Yeah, that goes unfinished. But of course, you also look and it's Cleve Harper able to get over Giles Hussey in three sets at number four. And like, thank the Lord for Tennessee. Luca Wiedemann's able to deliver the victory at five, and now Tennessee goes two and one on the weekend. They're what you look overall in terms of their record. They're now 10 and 1 overall on the season. They are a top four team in the SEC. This team's really, really good, Maddie. Yeah, top four team in the SEC. No, I mean, I mean, what they're about like top four team in the country. Okay, yep. there we go. I'm saying I this mean, team is of the elites of the elites in the conference. Like, it's not, it's oh, not, yeah. are they? It's like, oh, they're probably at the head of the group right now. I agree with you. Yeah, no, they they definitely are. I expected Tennessee to win this match. Texas is resilient, though, guys. If if they're not like, if they don't have quite the level of talent and depth, two years, yeah, that some of these other you know teams that we talk about, Texas is resilient, man. I mean, they don't go anywhere, and you have to give them credit for that. I'll tell you what, too. Adam Walton was up six four five two. I five, flip one. on his. 5-1. I flip on his match at 5-2 and he doesn't win another game. He drops six on the trot and I'm like, what is going on here? He's down 3-1 in the third. I mean, it was going to get away from him. They're, they, again, Luca Wiedemann saved them uh, big time because I think that was going to go in a different direction. But again, this was just one of those fun dual matches that had three setters the dubs point went quickly and at that point i was like okay again this thing could end relatively quickly the way that tennessee looked in dubs but look it's like illinois right like texas is a team that can't be slept on like if you're a big 12 school if you're any school in the country Texas is going to play you as tough as they possibly can, even though I, I just I think they're a little bit I, they're a little bit undermanned, right? When it comes to the top five, six, seven schools, they're just a little bit undermanned at almost every position. The one position that I think they're rock solid is Micah Braswell at number three. I think I mean he could maybe be their number one player. And I think eventually he will be. Those top three are all kind of interchangeable. But 
Yeah, for Tennessee, I thought it was a fantastic weekend. I mean, they did what they had to do. Obviously, they drew, you know, the short end of the stick with Carolina in the first round. We knew that how that was going to end, and, and they didn't win that match. But to come back and win the next two, they beat TCU, they beat Texas. That's a good weekend. And for me, I have them shooting up the ranks. Chris, you're our SEC correspondent. Take the wheel. Yeah, I mean, not not surprised at all what we saw from Tennessee this weekend. And and look, that that match against North Carolina, right? I mean, it's you, you can't live on ifs, ands, and buts, but they blew a 5-2 lead in the breaker at two doubles. Oh, yeah. They win that match. All of a sudden, you know, when the, the Carolina scoreline was 4-1, take that away, and it's 3-2. Blumberg's down a break in the third to Walton. That's three all. And I think the other match, I don't even remember where it was, but I mean, Tennessee has a shot to win. I mean, not, not a shot like, Oh, it's an underdog, like a 50% or better chance to win that match. Uh, You know, had they not just blown that doubles point and then, yeah. And then they come and do what they did to TCU again, you know, TCU a little bit wounded. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, take that with a, a, a little grain of salt, if you will. But then they absolutely just poured it on Texas. And I mean, as close as it got, that was, you know, that got a little scary. Ten- I mean, Tennessee took doubles and all six first sets, all six. When you take doubles and six first sets, you're looking at like 60 minutes and we're done. And the next thing you know, here comes Texas again. And yes, Wiedemann won it. But, you know, first of all, he shouldn't have had to. And Walton's up 5-1 in the second. Then he has to, and Wiedemann's up 5-2, and Wiedemann blows a 5-2 lead to go 5-all and manages to turn around and grab the next two games. But, uh, yeah, tremendous match from from Tennessee to, to pull that off. But, yeah, I you know, very impressed with both teams. And, if, you know, all I came away with that match, really the whole weekend for Texas because they came from down like that against USC and then what they did against uh, – Tennessee and coming back is coach Burke's just got to figure out a way to get these guys going before they're down like doubles and four or five or six first sets. I mean, they can't clearly they, they shown they can come back, but you can't just spot that big a lead. Uh, but yeah, I think the the future looks good for them and, and needless to say the addition of Ciamara next year for them uh, is, I mean, that we, the top three, right. The top three is the bread and butter for this team right now he's going to be in that same level with those three. So now you make it four and you're figuring out who the next couple guys are. It's going to be a really good team. I just think, yeah, we're a year early on them. Uh, and next year, that's going to be a really, really good team. They're still dangerous this year, but I just think that they need another year. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. And it's a pretty good coincidence that we have head coach Bruce Burke coming on the podcast either today or tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this, or I suppose yesterday, maybe, depending on when you listen to this. And we will ask him about that and, you know, his young team, their start to their season. But with that in mind, let's do our all tournament teams. And boy, we're all of us wrong in our predictions. Maybe that's why we – maybe in the future we won't end up doing them. But, of course, we've got an all-tournament team, most outstanding players. We want to give our takeaways, again, our final thoughts on this national indoors, and then we'll get into our rankings. Let's just go by position. I'll no, no, Chris will start, and then we'll have Maddie. Then I'll go. Let's go uh, from six to one in singles first. Your number six singles, Chris. I'm going to go – 
only because I have no idea how I could do it any other way. I'm going co-players here. Sondergaard and Furman. They were both, they both went 2-0. and They played each other the last day. They're three all in the third. I'm not sure how I can really pick one over the other. Sure, I could go, oh, I'll give it to Sondergaard because they won, but that's, this is an individual thing. So I don't, I don't see how I can do it. I'm just going to say I'll give it to both. It's, it's, a, it's a co co-title at number six. Uh, Maddie? Yeah, Chris, as, as much as I would love to do that as well, you know my guy Spencer Furman, I'm, I gave mine to Simon. I, I just, again, I give him the nod because they won. You know, I, I don't know if that really has anything to do with it, but at least in my mind, that to me gives him a slight edge there. I wish Spencer would have won that match because then obviously I would have given it to Spence and, and he is worthy of that selection. If Baylor would have won the tournament, then it would have gone to Furman. Um, unfortunately for, for him, Carolina won the event. I'm going to give mine to Simon Sondergaard at number six. Yeah, the thing why I would lean Sondergaard is his win over UVA is kind of what turned the momentum and gave them that extra point and just was like, okay, we have a path to four now. Um, I'm going to – no, Chris cheated, so I'm going to cheat as well. I'm going to go co-players uh, since it's out there. Yeah, it was three all in the third. It's splitting hairs because Furman was the lock. It was literally a lock for Baylor, and it's not fair. Maddie's so mad. He's like, I have such integrity in the list. I'm going to go – you're angry? You're angry? I'm not angry, but it's like, man, why don't we just pick two guys for every, every <laughs> flight day? I All mean, right. I could pick right. a whole bunch of guys. No, All I right. came no, up no, no. with this Fine, list. fine. I'll go Spencer. I'll go Spencer because I actually think he was going to win that last match. I'll go Spencer. All right, if, you're gonna make, go if you make me pick, then I'm taking Simon too. Okay, that's fine. We can all differ. You're right, Maddie. It's time for us to have some guts. I appreciate that. That's where we missed you. That's where we missed you. All right, number five, I think, is unequivocal. It's who would have been the most outstanding player for Baylor. Charlie Broom, we all agree? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Fred. Number four, I think, also unequivocal. It's my nominee for the most outstanding player. It's Brian Cernock for UNC, who 3-0 in singles. Him and Will didn't lose in doubles either. He clinched the national championship, clinched the semifinal. He clinched all weekend long. He's my most outstanding player. Matty, you agree? I completely agree. My most outstanding player and obviously number four selection there. He clinched both matches. He was phenomenal all weekend long. You got to give it to him. Chris? Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. I mean... I don't know what else to say. That's yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, then we can move on. All right. Number three is my most interesting position. So Chris, you go first. Yeah. Number three. I, I probably will, will differ from some others, but I'm going Sifo Monsi from Illinois. Maddie. Monsi played two against Virginia. Yeah. But when they had Kovacevic, he played three. Yeah, he played two the final day, but he was three the first Beat two days. Beat went... the first day, and the second day, I don't think he finished. He won the first five day. All. He was up on law. Five all. won the last yeah, day yeah. at two, even. Yeah. See, for me, I'm not going to factor that in because he played at two. I don't like that. My choice is Micah Braswell. Um, Ooh, he went that's a really good choice. 2-0. and His one unfinished match was also with Sven Law of Baylor. He looked really, really good to me. And I think this is a guy that will end up playing number one at some point for Texas. Um, yeah, Micah Braswell. 
for me. That's that's a great choice. I cheated here. I said Zeke Clark and Sifo Monsi because they were so good at the three position for Illinois. And Illinois deserves representation in this all-tournament team. Those are probably the two guys who have to do it. Cernok gets the knock at four, but Zeke clinched at three the next day. Monsi was there the previous two days. I'm just giving it to the Illinois three singles player, a split between Zeke and Sifo. You seem okay with that, Maddie. I guess if that's what we're doing, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do mine like that. I, that's not yeah. how I listed my team, but no, I just say Illinois three, Illinois three is my pick. Well, I think at number two, he was three and oh, Mati Soto was good. Luke Famba was undefeated. That's my pick. You're shaking your head, Batty. Yeah, I, absolutely. Famba. Chris. Yep. Yeah, you, no you, question. You inspired the pick for me. Well, number one's most interesting. I think it comes down to three choices, and you know, everyone at one was great. And I'm sorry if it was just first sets. Adam Walton would be your number one, but <laughs> Alistair Gray, Will Blumberg, Carl Soderlund. Any of the three, Maddie, who'd you pick? I pick Carl Soderlund. Ooh, okay, okay, yep. make the case. Two and zero. I mean, he, he he was unfinished with Will, but. You know, who knows how that match goes. I just, in his other matches, he looked really good. I really liked what I saw out of Carl Soderland. I, I think he's worthy of that spot for sure. Chris? I went Soderland as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's... again, he 2-0, I thought he was going to, I just had the feeling he was going to win the match as much as, you know, I'm actually the Carolina fan in the Carolina-Virginia match. I thought Soderland was going to win that match over Blumberg had they finished. You know, Gray lost a match, so I can't give it to Gray. So it really came down to to Soderlin or 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 Will. Will really only he only finished that last match, so I, I got to go with Soderlin. <sighs> Soderlin yep. did beat Gray, didn't he? Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, Alistair was the most valuable to his team uh, on this weekend. Will was the best when it mattered most. Carl gets the spot because I agree with you guys. Just throughout the course of the weekend, he just he never lost, and he was always there when his team needed him to be. Uh, I agree with you guys. He's the pick at one. We can do doubles quickly. I know Chris and I agree completely on our lineups because I kind of cheated with him. Number one, Blumberg, Cernok. Number two, Justanich, Fry. Number three, Montez, Von der Schulenberg. Matty, your picks. Yeah, I have nothing else to say there. That's exactly what I have written down here. Yeah, those are the obvious ones. Then most outstanding player, we already mentioned it, Brian Cernok. Well, last thing to do, rankings. And we're going to, again, have some fun with the team at the end. So let's do individual quickly first. We're just going to go in order. Uh, We can go down the list. Uh, Let's start with the singles. Number one, I still have Blumberg. Matt? I do too. Yes, I do. Yep, Blumberg. Number two, I have Galarno. Chris? I have Carl Soderland. Oh, that was an underrated for me. I messed up on that one. I'm with Chris on that one. Carl Soderland, number two. Yeah, I screwed that up. Okay, I have Soderland, two as well. That was just a plain screw-up on my part. I have Galarno, three. I don't. Who's your three, Matty? Go. That would be Liam Draxel. Oh. Another Man, one. Maddie's scooping him. me on my own guy. Shoot. Shoot. I keep forgetting about Draxel. All right. I'm going to put him there to make up for it. That's a good pick. <laughs> I was the only Liam guy. Draxel beat the Daniel Kukerman. Yeah. And now Maddie's got him in front of me. Uh, I have him soon, but I feel like I, I, I was owed a makeup pick for leaving him out the first time. My three is Cannon Kingsley. 
Yeah, I mean, I have him coming up later. I'm going to stick with Galarno. I had to make the move. Draxel's at number four for me. I'm totally cheating here on my list. I apologize, fellas. Uh, Draxel, number four for me. Matty? Uh, number four for me, Daniel Kukerman. Chris? Drop, I have him dropping from two to four. I've got Liam Draxel at four. Okay, I like that. Number five for me is the kooky monster, Daniel Kukerman. Matty? Uh, I've got Alexi Galarno at five. Okay, makes sense, Chris? I have Alistair Gray at number five. He's my number six, Matty. Mine too. Number six, Alistair Gray. Chris? Man, I feel like I want to play this game with you guys now. How do you both have Kukerman in front of Gray when he just beat him? Body of work. Body of work. Yeah, I mean, look. 5-2. Yeah, Gray is is entering these rankings, Chris. Kukerman was at number one or whatever, yeah, number two. Exactly. I can't drop it. Like, eventually, maybe we'll regress here to the mean. But but right now, I still have to have Kukerman top five. I've got Gray at six. I mean, he's right there. Yeah, exactly. Like he's lost. I I think Gray's lost one match or something this year. He's, yeah, I have him number six, six in the country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I just agree. giving you guys a hard time. No, All it's right. good. It's good. Yeah, I have I have Kukerman at six. All right, seven, I have Kingsley. Maddie, I do too. <laughs> Chris? I have uh, Galarno. All right, eight's my hot take of hot takes. I'm going Boitan at eight. I think he, he's the real deal. I'm throwing him in there. Yeah, make that face at me, Maddie. Who's your eight? Uh, my eight is Val Vachero, mm. who has not dropped a match this year. I had him in my rankings beforehand. I'm not taking him out. He hasn't lost. Oh, did he beat? Boitan when they played head to head, they were unfinished. But he was uh, up. He was up a break in the third. It was a yeah. third set. Yeah. All right, I'm a little biased. Whatever, uh, Chris. Uh, my eight is Keegan Smith. All right, he is number ten for me. Number nine, Trent Bride for me. Number nine for me. So unfortunately, I had to boot Keegan Smith out. As much as I hated doing that, I don't have him in my top ten here. My number nine is actually Mate Vassal. Ooh. From Oklahoma State. Interesting. Chris? Also hasn't lost. Chris? Yeah, I I actually dropped uh, votes a lot of my top 10. And I, I don't know, good idea or not. He just hasn't been he, – he hasn't lost, but not super impressive. But I, I also don't have a great argument to make here because the guy I have hasn't even played a match, and that's <laughs> Axel Geller. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, so – Come on, Chris. Feel, I mean, I could easily be convinced to take Geller out altogether because he hasn't played, but, you know, I I, I don't know. Yeah. I, no, it's fair. And then number 10 for me, I have Keegan Smith. I've got Trent Bride at 10. Simply by his win over Alexi, yeah. that to me put him in there. Fair. Chris? Yeah, I, I had to drop Bride out of the top 10. He beat Lexi, but, I mean, he's lost twice to Martin from Georgia Tech. I know. Uh, so, I – uh. Just based off of, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, based off of sentiment and the run of the team this weekend, I'm moving my, my previous honorable mention yeah. into number 10, and that's Alex Kovacevic. I should have been that smart. That's a good pick. That's a good pick by you. Great shot by you, Chris. Um, all right, doubles listings. Let's just go one through five individually. I have Blumberg, Cernok, one, Seymour Fenty, two, Kukerman Smith, three, Cash McNally, four, Gray, Bafamba, five. Maddie? 
Wow. Yeah, mine's mine's yeah. a little Hot bit take galore. Mine's a little bit different than that. So I actually still, despite their loss to Illinois, I still have Riley Smith and Daniel Kukerman number one. I've got Blumberg Cernock number two. I've got Fenty and Seymour number three right behind them. My number four team, this is a huge hot take, but I wanted to give them some representation. I really like the way they played this past weekend, so I'm biased here. But I've got Adam Walton and Pat Harper Great at pick. number They're four. Just missed they, for me. they really looked good, and number five is Famba Gray. Yeah, all good picks, Chris. Well, I, I was like in disbelief listening to yours, Alex, because our <laughs> first four are exactly the same. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've got Blumberg, Cernock one, Fenty Seymour two, Smith Kukerman three, Cash McNally four. There is no way in hell, even though I love them, I'm putting Famba and Gray in my top five when they went one or one and two this weekend. <laughs> I mean, they lost two match, two out of three matches, and you guys put them in the top five. It was a tired pick. It was a tired pick. They are. They're really I good. like them. They yeah, are really I good. Too. I do so, too. So I will go. Who'd they play? They played Tiger. Harper Walton, put... they played Kukerman Smith, and they played Soderlin Woodall, and that's who they beat. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm going Kyger Sondergaard at five. Oh, that's a terrible I was thinking pick. that. No, no. I, w- I was actually thinking that, too. No. I, I didn't want to do it, though. All right. It is what it is. All right. Let's get to the team. Now comes the fun. Chris, I hope you have the Excel sheet open. Top two, obvious. UNC number one, Baylor number two, unanimous. We can skip that. My number three is my hottest take. I'll let you go first, Maddie. Number three. Look, after the top two, I didn't know what was going oh, on. Oh, I can't I, wait. I think we might agree. I threw, yeah, the, some, I threw everything some of these. from three downs, a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. I've taken teams out. I've put teams in here. So my number three is actually Tennessee. Oh, oh. oh Chris, I think you feel fairly similarly. Yeah, seeing how you've already seen mine, as has everybody else, my number three is Tennessee. All right. You guys ready for some serious spice? Oh, here here comes the Brad Dancer love, Maddie. I can only go with what I saw with my eyes. They beat them without – they beat my number four team without their number one singles player. It's indoors. It's hot take. It's going to change. Fuck it. Give me Illinois at three. I just, I, this team, there was something about them this weekend. It's a hot take, but they've earned that spot for now. Okay, let me just say this, right? Tennessee, Tennessee also went two and one this weekend. They're number five for me. They're number five for me. I'm just saying entire body of work, Tennessee has done so much more than Illinois. Like for me, I look at their wins over NC State. I look at their win over Ole Miss at the kickoff weekend. Like for me, Tennessee just, I I think at this point, they're more worthy of a higher spot on my list, which is why I have them ahead of Illinois. This could change, right? Of course, this is all fluid. I just don't know how you put Illinois ahead of... Because I'm tired. Because I'm tired and they're two and one and two of their wins are over USC and Virginia. And I just was so impressed. They're three them. and one. They beat Wisconsin. No, I'm saying you're right. They're three and one. I apologize. Um, but they're my number three team. Sample size, baby. Sample size. I can only go with what I saw. It's gonna drop. It's gonna change. Relax. But they're my number three. And so with that in mind, let's get to number four. This is where things get interesting. I'm gonna stick with UVA here. 
They still have the win over Ohio State. They almost beat North Carolina. They beat TCU. They lose to my number three team, Illinois. I'm not going to penalize them for that, even though they really should have won that match. But they're my number four team. Maddie, you're shaking your head in agreement? Yeah, I, I am. I I just didn't know where to put them. Because yeah, because they're going to get better, too. They, look, to me, I, Illinois beat them. But overall, again, entire body of work. They went to Ohio State and beat Ohio State. They looked pretty good against North Carolina. They upset TCU in the first round of indoor. Like, to me, Virginia should should still be a top five team, I think, when I look at this list. But then the team that I have at number five, I had to put there because Virginia, like, I don't know what's going on, guys. I really don't even know what I'm doing with this list. But I, I do have Virginia there at four. Chris? I have Virginia at four as well. All right, number and, five for me. Oh, sorry. And I'll be honest. I'm not sure after looking at it over and over and over again, they lost to Illinois. They didn't win a match at two or four singles the entire weekend. Oh, and six. And yet I still put them at number four. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's again, it's a weird season. Well, Tennessee's my five. We've talked about them. Maddie, who's your five? Yeah, my five is TCU. Okay, they're um, my six. I don't yeah. disagree. Again, they, they lost that match to Virginia. The the second match, I have to have Tennessee ahead of TCU, right? Because Tennessee just beat TCU. Um, and then TCU beat who? Uh, USC. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I I don't know. I, I felt like I had to have Virginia ahead of TCU because Virginia beat TCU. Yep. And Tennessee beat TCU. I, it's I don't all, know. It's all A, B, 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 C, C, beat A. Chris, you're number five? Yeah, I have I have TCU at five as well. And I think that all of that logic is exactly how I ended up with Tennessee and Virginia at three and four and TCU at five because they yeah. both beat them. So you feel like you have to put them ahead of them. Oh, and Illinois beat Virginia. So that's why I have Illinois ahead of Virginia. Yeah. But, like, I don't disagree with you guys. All of your logic is square. Again, TCU's my six. We can rapid fire here down the home stretch because it really is a crapshoot. Maddie, your six? Well, my six is Illinois. There okay. you go, Gruskin. There I they are. Fair enough. Chris? My six is Texas A&M. They're my number seven. Maddie? Uh, they are my number seven as well. Texas Chris? A&M. Yeah, I mean, they're good. Just because they weren't there this weekend doesn't mean they're not very good. Chris? My seven is Stanford. Oh, okay. We'll get back to the Stanford discussion. Hold that thought. My number eight is Texas. Maddie, who do you have? I have Texas as well. Yeah, I missed you this weekend. Uh, Chris, your thoughts? My eight is Ohio State. All right, they're my number nine. That's where I did want to sneak them in the top ten. Maddie, you're shaking your head now. Nope. Don't have them in there. Who is it? My number nine is USC. Okay. Chris, your number nine? My number nine is Illinois. So you still don't have Texas. See, I have Stanford 11 because I'm like, you haven't played yet. All yeah, these schools I'm, have played. I'm, and I, frankly, I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I, I kept them up there, but I, I don't, no, I no. honestly don't know what to do with them because they haven't played. So I'm taking I'm, them out. I'm yeah. taking them out until they play. I will not have them in there yeah, anymore. I feel like it should, that we should almost just do that and say, Hey, we, until you play a match, we can't rank you, but yeah, I just I, have them in 16th. Cause it's like, you're going to be hosting a region, but it's not fair to put you higher than that. Um, but yeah, no. So nine for me is Ohio state. Interesting. You have USC there. I have them 10 because I wasn't quite ready to really punish them because they're without Bullis. They sneak into my top 10. Who's your 10? My 10 is Georgia. Interessante. 
I had Georgia at 10 the last time we did our rankings. And I am moving Ohio State and Stanford out of my rankings. I do not have Ohio State or Stanford listed here in this top 10. If Ohio State beats Illinois on Sunday, they can work their way back up the rankings. That's right. That's exactly right. Chris? My 10 is Texas. Oh, there they are. Yeah. I mean, it's a crapshoot. Clearly, parody is the name of the game. North Carolina Baylor a little bit better than everyone else right now, but plenty of teams still on the horizon. And again, have to give a huge shout out uh, to the both of you for continuing to follow along with us. Chris, again, was up each and every night recapping with me. Maddie, your text throughout the day. Again, it just kept me sane. So shout out to the both of you. A shout out to all the players, coaches, IT staff, everyone at Illinois again who made this event possible. We college tennis fans got exactly what we wanted. It was a phenomenal weekend of tennis and it sets up to be a very, very fun 2021 season with that in mind maddie chris i'll start with you though matt any final thoughts i think we hit it all i was just gonna say man i am all out of thoughts um let's let's look forward to another weekend here i did not realize guys i hadn't looked quite ahead yet that ohio state and illinois were playing on sunday i am really looking forward to watching that match especially because it's at illinois Let's hope Kova's there. I know that he got on a plane. He was going down to Florida, I believe. Yeah, yeah. play the futures. Yeah, so let's hope that Kova's there, um, and then we'll really get a fantastic match, I think. To be clear, he said Kova, not COVID. Chris, your final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts are first, we did our rankings, and you don't even want to know the consolidated rankings? Oh, that's my brain I do. Give it to me. No, that's the final word. Perfect. That's the final word. All right. Final word. Number one, North Carolina. Number two, Baylor. Number three, Tennessee. Four, Virginia. Five, TCU. Six, Illinois. Seven, A&M. Eight, Texas. Nine, Ohio State. And Uh, ten, Stanford. That's... And USC just missing out at 11. And Georgia oh, we're going to get God, the meanest test. My top, my top eight were all correct. My top eight were exactly the top eight that you just said, Chris. I just yeah, they are. U- I just have USC and Georgia at yeah. 9 and 10. You're, yeah. the Joe, you're the Joe Manchin of this podcast, Maddie. You're the centrist. You're the in-between. That's a politics joke for all the politics followers out there. But no, again, uh, a shout-out to uh, the both of you for your continued work. Uh, we will get that. Uh, top 10 ranking in a graphic out there for all of you do another edition of the college coaches poll all of that content available on our website crackrackets.com shout out as always to our super producers Fligner and Westoff for the of an any job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings DKNG.co slash cracked open to play along with us with that in mind for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks Koya, Chris Helios, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, that's shot. <laughs> I love it, Chris. Leave it in. I appreciate it. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.